you're listening to the Living Word Church podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our youth pastor, Joey Lucci. So in this series, we have been in the book of Daniel, and we've seen one of the major themes of Daniel is a sovereign God. He is above and over all things. He has the final say on everything, but we've also seen that he is present with us in the things that we go through in this life. He isn't cold. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't forgotten about us. He's with us in everything that we go through. And before we get into Daniel chapter 6, I need to give you some context because Daniel is not in chronological order. And so last week, Doug did chapters 4 and 5, and there was a jump between 4 and 5. Daniel went from being a teenager to a man in his 80s, and the real chronological order of Daniel is chapters 1 through 4, 7 through 8, 5 through 6, and 9 through 12. And today in chapter um, 6, we see that Daniel is in his 80s. And so he's been through some life. He's gone through some things, and he's stayed faithful to God every step of the way. But before we get to 6, we need to jump in the end of chapter 5 so we can really get some understanding on what's happening in chapter 6. In the end of chapter 5, we see the fall of King Belshazzar. He has just worshipped all these idols, and now his fall is upon him. And, and we see that he celebrates as his whole empire is about to be destroyed. And there is this hand that appears and writes on the wall. If there is ever a hand that appears in your living room and writes on the wall, you messed up in some way. And this is the end of King Belshazzar. Literally, that night is his fall. And in chapter 6, we pick up with the new reign. They have gone from control of the Babylonians to the Persians. And now we're in chapter 6, and I want to get right into this because there's a lot for us to unpack this morning, and this is what it says in verse 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the whole kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. And so we see the change here. We see the change from the Babylonians to the Persians, and now there's a new king on the throne, King Darius. And I wanted to be honest with you this morning and then really give you the whole of what is happening here in scripture. King Darius is not recorded in um, secular history. All the other kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, are, but Darius is not. And theologians have come to this understanding, the reasoning for it is this, that there are many names that are given throughout the book of Daniel. Oftentimes, people are given two names, and we see all these different cultures at work. So theologians have come to the conclusion that Darius is most likely King Cyrus, who you will hear about in some later chapters. So we see that Daniel and his companions are given different names, and literally the name Darius is translated to this, the one who holds the scepter or ruler. And so that's where they think this is coming from. So it's just important to know that in case you were doing any studying on your own, to know what um, some theologians have decided about this issue. Satraps were the governors of different areas. Um, You're going to hear about them throughout the preaching of Daniel chapter 6, and it's just good for you to know that they were just like governors in the different areas. Verse 3, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charge against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. 
Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charge against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Have you ever met someone so seemingly perfect it's annoying? Because that's what's kind of happening here with these governors in Daniel. Everything that Daniel does is blessed. Everything that Daniel sets his hands to, he conquers in it. And I think some of us can relate to that in, in the room. That's a very human emotion. Mom's in the room. It's the other mom who always has her kids dressed perfectly, but your kids are in their pajamas with snow boots on eating Twinkie for breakfast, right? Dad's in the room, or a guy's in the room. It's that guy in the office, right, who wakes up every morning at 4.30 to run 20 miles, and he drives a Porsche, and his name is Chip. I don't know why, but it is, right? Like, we have these people in our life that can just get underneath our skin a little bit, and that's what's going on here. But they're jealous of this man who is in his 80s, and he's not flashy. He's not trying to accumulate his own wealth or build his own kingdom. Daniel just loves God and wants to seek him in this captivity that he still finds himself in. He just wants to honor God, but they are so incredibly jealous. And so they get together and they say, you know what? There's gotta be some flaw in this guy. There's something that we can find out about him. Surely he's been taking some deals underneath the table. Surely he's been caving some money for himself and doing some wrong things, but they can find nothing wrong in Daniel. And eventually they realize we're gonna have to try and trap this guy according to the laws of his God, because not everyone here serves this God. So this is how we are going to trap him. And here's what I want to talk to you about for, morning, uh, for a little bit this morning is, is jealousy. Jealousy will make you do things that are so out of your character. Jealousy will destroy your heart and who you are. And it's so easy to sneak into our hearts. In, in this scripture right here, we see these men that are jealous of an 80-year-old man who's just doing his best and working his heart. In Genesis 37, we see 11 brothers who become so jealous of their one brother because of how their father treats him that they are willing to trade him into slavery just to get rid of him. Jealousy will consume your heart and bring you you to places that you do not want to go. It will lead to destruction in your life. And if there is any jealousy in your heart, it is so important that you deal with it because I've seen it bring about destruction time and time again. And as we work through Daniel chapter six this morning, we're gonna see the real destruction that it brings. Take this so seriously because it will bring so much pain into your life. Be grateful for the thing things that God has given you and blessed you with in your life. But some of you have been through what Daniel has been through. Maybe throughout your life, you have had these people in your life who, who have just been so nasty to you for no reason, who, who have tried to attack you, who have tried to trap you throughout your life, and you, and you never really knew why. You could never really put your finger on it. And maybe the reason is because there has been some favor of God in your life. Maybe God has blessed you in some ways, and there's some people that are just jealous of you. And that's what we see happening here in this scripture. And we're so quick to look at ourselves and be, be like, man, there's something wrong with me. That's why all these people hate me. That's, that's why they want to get rid of me. But maybe they're jealous of what's inside of you and what you have. Verse 6, so these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, and advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce um, the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 
30 days except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty issued the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. They trick the king. And it is so obviously a setup. Why would you only want the king to be God for 30 days? Clearly, they have motives in what's going on here. This is one of the worst setups of all times. It's, it's, it's like when you get those emails that's from a prince in Dubai who wants to give you $10 million, and all you need to do is give your social security number, right? So easy. It sounds like a good deal to me. And the king right here goes, you know what? That sounds great. They appeal to his pride, and he doesn't see the trap that's right before him. And he gives into it, and he signs the decree. And these men are trying to trick the king in order to kill Daniel. But there is so much more that is happening right here in this moment. And, and, and I want to unpack this, and I really want you guys to catch this with me this morning. Because these men believe that they're tricking the king, but really they're being deceived too. These men are being tricked. There is, there is someone pulling the strings of their heart, whispering lies of jealousy into their minds, stoking the flame of jealousy. The enemy of God's people, I really believe is behind all of this jealousy and the attack that is coming right here. And so he gets these governors together because he hates Daniel, because he hates the Jewish people who are God's chosen people. He hates the fact that Daniel has stayed faithful for 80 something years. Through all of this captivity, through all of these trials that he's been through, he hates Daniel's faithfulness. And, and I just wonder for a moment if he remembers Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how he tried to kill them and throw them into the fiery furnace. He says, you know what, there's a change now in rulership. We, we went from the Babylonians to the Persians, and maybe this is my opportunity to get rid of Daniel. I wasn't able to get rid of his friends, but maybe I can destroy him by using jealousy in these men's hearts. And so they set up Daniel in this way. And what I wanted to tell you this morning is things are not always the way that they seem. There are things going behind, uh, happening in spiritual places that you and I don't see, that maybe you and I don't understand. But Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with spiritual powers. And there are forces at work in our world. And I really want you to get this because it's, it's so important that we see this because otherwise we'll get so mad at people. But really, there is so much more happening here. And a major theme of the book of Daniel is, is these spiritual battles that are taking place. And, and, and I'll save it for Doug, but in chapter 10, we see this amazing picture. I won't go into too much detail, but Daniel is praying and he's praying, and he's praying, he's waiting on an answer, but we find out that there is a spiritual battle that is taking place. And that's the reason why he can't get his answer. And you and I need to know that we live in this world. Like, it is a real part of our world. And that is what's really happening. These men think they are tricking the king, but their hearts are ultimately being deceived too. And it just makes me wonder for a moment. And I'm not trying to start any trouble this morning, but I wonder if this ever happens in our world. I wonder if this ever happens with people in position of power and authority, if their heart ever gets dragged in dark ways. That's why it's so important that we know what's really happening, and we do what Daniel ultimately does. In verse 10, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went to the upstairs room where the window opened towards Jerusalem. 
Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Daniel did what he always did. Daniel does not fling open the doors of his house, and he does not start screaming from the rooftops because he knows the decree at this point. He knows the law that if he prays, he will be thrown into the lion's den. But Daniel was so devoted to his prayer life. It was a part of who he was. There was no way that he was going to change it because he knows that is what got him to this point in his life. That's why he's been able to survive the captivity for so long. That's why God has blessed him for so many years. So there was no way that Daniel was going to change who he was. If Daniel was great before men, it was because he first knelt before God three times a day. It was in his DNA. It's who he was. And he doesn't put on this huge spectacle, like I said. He doesn't start screaming from his rooftop, I'm going to pray anyway. I'm going to defy the law. No, he just did what he always did. Daniel was willing to risk his life over prayer. Would you? If you were in that same position, maybe you would close the doors in your bedroom and you would pray in the closet so no one could hear you or no one could see you. Maybe, maybe you would say, I, I've been so faithful to God for so many years. Like, this has been 80 years, God. I, I can take 30 days off just to take a break from praying. Daniel knew that prayer was worth it, and he was willing to sacrifice his life for it. That has to say something to you and I this morning, because we take prayer for granted so often in our lives. As I've been studying this and working through this, it has challenged me so deeply in my own life to remember the power and the importance of prayer. And we have so minimized the importance and power of prayer in our minds, but, but Daniel truly understand it. He got it. Martin Luther once said, I have so much to get done today. There's no way I could do it without three hours of prayer. See, what a reverse in thinking. Where's, we go, I'm so busy. I have so much to get done. I, there's no way that I can pray today. But, but here we see him say, the only way that I can get done everything that I need to do and be the person that God is calling me to be is that I am devout in my prayer life. Daniel obeyed God over the rules of men. And there comes a point when culture and following God will collide. We cannot Stay neutral forever. Sometimes you need to make a stand for what you know is right. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the right ways to make a stand. And, and really, I find most of them from Daniel and, and how he responds to this situation. Because I think so many of us are unsure about how to do this. As our world grows darker and darker, and the world is trying to see how much we'll accept how much we'll take and keep allowing until some men of God start to stand up and speak truth. And so I hope to give you a really clear picture of how Daniel did it. But ultimately, it comes down to this, is who do you fear more? What men can do or God? And, and when I say fear of God, I don't mean it in, in a way that you're scared of him, but, but in a reverence of him, of, of his authority and his power and what he means to you in your life. Who do you fear men? Or who fear more, men or God, and Daniel would say without a doubt that he feared God and wanted to follow God, even though this law most likely would take his life from him. I want to be the kind of person that could answer that, per that question, yes, that I would still pray, even if I knew that I would be thrown into the lion's den. So Daniel shows us the ways to make a stand for what's right. 
But before we get into the three ways that I think we can learn here on the right ways to make a stand, can we talk about how not to make a stand? Um, the ways to not make a stand is by running to social media. And for some reason, most people in this world, when they feel like they have a point to make or something that they need to say, they feel like they need to run to Facebook or to Instagram in order to do that. But I, I just believe that creates more tension, that makes people mad at each other, and it doesn't really solve anything because it becomes an issue of pride in your heart. And so you've got these people fighting, and then, and then everyone in the world is looking at these Christians going back and forth at each other, and then, then people in the world fighting with Christians, and it just doesn't really solve anything. But I do believe that there are real ways that we can make a stand. And, and if we're being honest, most of us in the room have less than 200 followers. You really think your post on Facebook is changing anyone? Like 99% of us, that's probably true of. It's just you trying to get your point out, trying to say that you know so much more than everyone else. But really, there are real ways that you can make a stand. So let's look at them. Three ways that we can learn. The first one is this. You pray for what's wrong like Daniel did. What if we prayed three times a day like Daniel did? See, here's what I know. My reach and my power are so incredibly limited. The people that I can reach with what I think is right and making a stand for what is right is so limited. But God's power, his authority, and his influence are unmatched. It is unlimited. So if I really want to see things change in my world and in my generation, I'm going to do what Daniel did. I'm not going to run to social media. I'm not going to run to do any of this. I'm going to fall on my hands and knees and say, God, our world needs you. It is broken. God, these are all the things in my life that are wrong. You are the only one that can change it. And we have to be a people that are willing to be as bold as we are in person, on our hands and our knees. That is the thing that will really change things in our world. That's why Daniel was willing to risk his life over it. See, here's what I have learned in my life. And, and there was a time where I just wanted to react. I just wanted to do things. I, I didn't want to sit still and pray. But as I have gotten older, I have learned that all the battles in my life are really won in prayer. That they are won on my hands and my knees. If I really want to see something change in my life, it's not going to come from me reacting. Because there are spiritual things at play. There is so much more than I can control. And if I really want to see things change in my life, then I need to fall on my hands and my knees before my God and pray it so it changes. And I pray that you would see that too. For those of you guys that are fighting for your children and the path that they are headed on, I have seen God save kids who were headed down the worst of paths. But there were parents that stepped in the way and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they changed the direction of those kids' lives. I have seen families falling apart and there were grandparents that prayed and prayed and prayed and it changed things. Those of you guys that are worried about your job or your future, whatever it is, you fall on your hands and your knees and you pray like Daniel did three times a day until you see that thing change. It will move mountains in your life. And it says something about us that we would rather quickly run to social media than to our knees because we believe that that's a greater influence. And so we need to change our view on prayer. We need to remember the power of our God. And maybe that's just my point in being here this morning. Maybe that's why God has called me here is to remind you that prayer moves all things and it changes all things. And his power is unlimited. 
So all of our battles are won in prayer. The second one is this. There will come a time that maybe you, where you do need to make a stand publicly. You do it with grace and truth. You do it with that perfect balance of not being harsh, of not being mean, but you stand up for what is right, right? Using the balance of grace that you know that God has given you without lording it over people, without trying to be mean or nasty. If you want to win someone over, you do it with grace and truth. And Daniel handles his situation with grace. He never tries to fight back. He never tries to do anything terrible. He uses the perfect balance of standing up for what's right with grace and truth. The next point is this, and this isn't found in Daniel, but something that I truly believe is that you teach your family what's right. You stand up for what's right in your household. Fathers in the room, you stand up. You be the head of the household that God has called you to be, and you teach your children what is right. And that will go on from generation to generation to generation. It will follow. Start in your house. Let truth be spoken there for what is right and what is true. And watch what God will do in our generation. So that's how I believe that we take a stand for what is right. Verse 11. These men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that would take the next 30 days? Anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then, the king, then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. And so right here, we see that they find Daniel praying, and they trap him, and they bring him to the king, and they tell the king what has happened. Daniel had made such a huge impact on the king. This is not how kings acted when someone disobeyed their command. In fact, it oftentimes pleased them to punish people who broke their commands. In fact, it would be like the entertainment for the night if there was someone that they could put on trial for disobeying them and then execute them in such a way as this. But Daniel was so different than everyone else. Daniel had won this king over completely. And the king was so broken by what was happening to him. And what you need to understand is that there's a change in rule. In Babylon, there was an authoritative monarchy, which meant that the ruler or the king could do whatever he want. He could say it, and then he could change it the next minute. But here, with the Persians taking over, we see a constitutional monarchy, which means uh, any law had to be written into place. And it could not be changed once it was written. And so that's what they remind the king of here is that even though he wants to change it, he can't. And this is what is going to happen to Daniel now. Verse 16. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the ring of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the whole night without eating, without any entertainment, being brought to him and could not sleep. Here's Daniel, without flaw, without ever doing anything wrong, being thrown into the lion's den. 
we see this king who is completely disappointed with himself. He realizes now that he has been had, he has been tricked, that his ego has led him to this moment, and someone that he really cares about and loves is paying the penalty because of it. And he's unable to sleep. And here's something I really want you to get this morning, is that God did not rescue Daniel from the lion's den. As we hear this story, we, we, maybe we hear those words thrown out sometimes, but that is not the true way of understanding it. God did not rescue Daniel from the lion's den. Daniel still had to go through that issue. And oftentimes in our lives, we have to go through the lion's den. And we've been praying, and maybe some of you have been fighting like we talked about earlier. God, Please, don't, don't let it get to this moment. God, don't let me have to go through this. I, I'm too scared to be faced with the impending doom because that's what was waiting Daniel. Like being thrown into the lines that truly did seem like the end for him. And many of us will go through some similar things in our life that feel like maybe it's the end for us. Maybe, maybe this is the one moment where following God still led us to this really dark moment because Daniel always did what was right. And we can learn so much from Daniel right here. That sometimes we need to go through the lion's den. Some of you guys have gotten the bad report from the doctor. Some of you have lost your job. Some of you have gone through the really dark and deep places of life. And you've been wondering, God, why would you let me go here? I have honored you in my life. I have done all the right things. Why am I here? Why am I suffering in this way? Why does it feel like there are lions completely around me all the time? Because God will let his children go through the lion's den sometimes. But that doesn't mean that it is the end. Because Daniel had to go through it. Because there was a reason and a purpose behind it. And as we read the next couple of verses, I hope we can give you some hope this morning. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? What great faith from this king. This foreign king even calls out, even has the audacity to believe that there's a chance that Daniel is still alive. And says, Daniel, has your God saved you? And Daniel answers, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I have found innocent in his sight, nor have I done any wrong before him. God does not rescue Daniel from the lion's den. He rescues him from the lion. And oftentimes in our life, God will lead us to the lion's den. We will will go through the lion's den in our life, but he will not let the lion hurt you. That doesn't mean that you don't go through the difficulty. Daniel had to spend the whole night in the lion's den. And in the scripture, we see that the way it's described, and I wish there was so much detail because it's so interesting to me. But what we're told here is that an angel comes and shuts the mouth of the lion. And my guess in the lion's den, it's pretty dark. But what I pictured, there's some light breaking in. Daniel had to stare, most likely, at those lions all night. He had to look those things down. And I wonder what his heart felt in those first couple of moments as he's thrown into this pit, thinking the worst could happen at any moment. And the same is true for you and I, where we go through these really difficult, dark things. And and I know some of you have felt incredible loss in your life. And, And my heart breaks for you this morning. 
But I want to tell you this, is that if you are still here and there is still breath in your lungs, God is not done with you yet. He still has a purpose and a meaning through what you are going through. If the lions haven't devoured you, then God is still using you and there's still hope. And I know it's dark and I know it's scary, but can you keep trusting him through what you are going through? I guarantee that there is great purpose in what is happening to you today. There is purpose behind it. Can you see just for a moment that maybe the lions haven't been able to touch you even though things have been so dark about how much worse it could truly be? We have no idea all the mouths of lions that God is shutting for us right now in our current moment. We have no idea, but he is doing that on our behalf today. Can you trust him when you're thrown into the pit, when life gets really difficult and dark, when everything around you is hard? Can you keep trusting like Daniel did? And there's, like I said, I, I wish there was more account of what happens while Daniel is in the lion's den. I wonder if Daniel slept. If I'm in the lion's den, I'm probably not sleeping that night, right? If I get to look at these things, I wonder, were they pacing? Like, well, what is happening here at the heart of it? And I just wonder if Daniel, when he was going through all of this, ever thought back to 60-something years before that? when he had to watch his three friends get thrown into the fiery furnace. And, and I wonder if Daniel thought, maybe thought to his own heart, all right, if God got them through this, then God could get me through this. And if he doesn't, then I'll still be with him. I have lived a long life and I will be with my God, so I will not fear the lions that are chasing me down. I wonder if his mind ever went to that thought. And, and Daniel trusted God so deeply, so deeply. But I truly believe that he thought back to his friends. And you have to remember all that God has brought you through in your past when you are faced with a new battle. When there is a new lion's den in front of you, you have to look back through your history, through what God has already brought you through. And remember that he didn't abandon you then, and he's not going to abandon you now. He will still be with you in what you are going through. It will give you strength for your future to remember your past battles and how God has carried you through. And I think it helped Daniel so much as he went through what he went through. Verse 23, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. The Persians had the law of retaliation. And so because they chose to do wrong to Daniel, wrong is brought to them. And not just them, but to their whole families. Jealousy will destroy you and it will hurt everyone around you. That is a minor point of Daniel chapter six, but I think it's so important that we know that and we see that. It will hurt you and it will hurt everyone around you. I love what Daniel chapter 23 says. Then the king was overjoyed and gave order to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him. It's very similar wording in Daniel chapter 3 when it talks about Meshach, Rachach, and Abednego. That there was not even a hair on their body that was burned. How God had delivered them through this most difficult situation. Verse 25. Then Darius wrote to all the nations, the peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I 
issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and have reverence for God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His, din- his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Daniel's faithfulness and his ability to go through the lines then has changed this entire nation. Now the king is telling everyone about God and how he has all authority and power. It has changed countless lives by one man's faithfulness. And maybe what you are going through today, God has great meaning behind it. Maybe there are people that will be saved by what you are going through. Don't you dare for a second minimize your own testimony and what you're doing and the power of what God could do through one life. These people are changed forever because of Daniel's faithfulness. Who knows who needs to hear your story just the way that it is in what you are going through today? God is at work behind the scenes in ways that we cannot imagine. And that is so, that's why it's so important that we join in prayer for fighting for what he wants to see happen in our world. Because in just a moment, everything was completely changed. And everything that was meant for evil, every setup, every um, governor and satrap that was trying to set up Daniel, the enemy that was trying to set up Daniel, everything that was meant for evil, God meant it for good. So that countless lives could be saved and changed here. And so we have learned so much from the book of Daniel this morning. And I just want to go over some of the things really quick that we have went through. If there is any jealousy in your heart, you deal with it quickly because it is so incredibly destructive. We learn when and how to make a stand for what is right. And the most important way that we could ever make a stand is on our hands and our knees praying to our God. How significant and consistent is your prayer life to you? And lastly, is there purpose through the most difficult moments of life? We've seen so many amazing things in Daniel chapter 6 this morning. And I hope that your faith is ignited. I hope as you are going through some difficult things that you would be reminded that there is meaning and there is purpose. And who knows who could be saved through your testimony. And that you would remember to pray about the things that you want to see changed. And see them changed in your lifetime. There is a burning in my heart to see that, to see my prayer life really developed and changed, more to mirror Daniel's, not to get busy and distracted and say, I can't pray today, but to make it the main point, to be willing to die for it like Daniel was. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for everyone that is here this morning. I pray, God, that you would just speak to lives. I pray, God, for anyone who is just just walking through tremendous loss today, God, who, who feels like they are just stuck in that pit and there are lions eyeing them down. I pray that you would remind them that you are the God who shuts the mouths of lions. For anyone that is just struggling with some jealousy in their heart today, God, that, that they would just wish that their life looked more like someone else's, that they would see the blessings that they have, God. God, I, make the, I pray that you would make us a church of true prayer warriors, God. 
God, there are so many things that we're quick to complain about. God, there are so many quick things in our life that we're quick to say are so wrong and negative to other people. But when was the last time that we prayed about it? Make us people who pray about the things that are wrong and see your hand at work, God. I pray that we wouldn't just talk about um, these kinds of stories, but we would be a church who really sees these kinds of breakthroughs, God, who sees you do the miraculous in our life and in our generation, God. God, give us bold hearts to believe in your great power, that you are sovereign over all things and you still move mountains, God, that you still part red seas, that you still tear down the walls of Jericho, God, that you still heal the lame, God. Let us believe that with all of our heart and see change. God, we are broken people. I am a broken and flawed and sinful person, God, but you are great and you choose to love us anyway, God. I pray that we would be reminded that you are the hero in Daniel. Not Daniel, you're the hero. He just looked to you every step of the way. Jesus, we need you so much in every moment of our life. God, we are so lost without you. We love you. We pray this all in your name. Amen. If anyone would like prayer this morning, there'll be some people up front who would love to pray with you. Thank you.